Hello everyone, welcome back to Tea Time with Tea. I'm your host, Teresa. I'm excited for you guys to meet my guest and real estate colleague, Corey Wayne. Corey once upon a time worked in advertising sales, hashtag madman vibes, and property management before becoming a closing machine in real estate. We recorded this episode back in early June when real estate agents were not allowed to do in-person showings. However, that did not stop Corey from helping his clients find their new home. Corey shares tips on how he conducted successful virtual showings and how he believes that virtual tours might become part of his new process moving forward. Let's get into it. Wayne, welcome to Tea Time with Tea. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. I'm excited for a little chat and we're going to jump right into it right now. Um, clearly, we both work at the same real estate company, Triple Mint. Love them. <laughs> Shout out, Triple Mint. And I kind of wanted to know, well, not kind of. I want to know, what were you doing prior to joining Triple Mint? Were you always in real estate or were you doing something prior to real estate? Yeah, so, um, I mean, if you want to go back all the way to like all of my jobs, my very first job was in advertising sales at a local TV station in Knoxville. I did that for about six months after graduating from college and then moved to New York to do real estate. So I've been doing real estate in some capacity in New York City since 2013. That's a really long time. I yeah. was still in college in 2013, <laughs> trying to figure out like, what am I gonna do with life? What am I trying to do? Um, how did you get into the sales position? Because real estate is sales and you started at such a young age um, in your sales position in Knoxville. So tell us a little bit about that. That's, that's a great question, actually. I've never had that one. Uh, so my dad was a salesman and so I just kind of grew up around, you know, just having that as part of my life and it's kind of just what I always knew and never did I ever think I would be a salesman. Um, but it just kind of came like, naturally to me. I used to do fundraising for the Fraternal Order of Police uh, back in Knoxville. That was one of my first sales jobs um, that if you're familiar, it's just basically like calling people, asking for donations. They help fund, you know, Christmas gifts and things like that for underprivileged kids in the Knoxville area. And so a very early on job, like I was basically cold calling for donations. And yeah. I think that was the very beginning of my, my sales training and sales skills development. Yeah, a lot of people feel very uncomfortable about cold calling. And I'm personally one of those people that I'm like, ah, I don't care who it is. I'll get on the phone. <laughs> I don't care if they hang up. How did you feel getting like into that, like doing cold calls? Yeah, I mean, it definitely took some practice, right? Um, and building some tough skin around the hang ups and the nose. But you know, just like I said, my dad was there. It, the job was at a company he worked at as well. So he was there to constantly just remind me, like, 
just keep going. Like not everyone's going to want to donate. Not everyone's going to want to support. Um, and it, don't take it personally. And that's kind of the mentality I've tried to carry with me throughout real estate sales as well. And, you know, calling landlords and clients alike and not taking anything too personally when it doesn't work out. For sure. For sure. Um, I think something as in being part of like a good cause and delivering gifts, um, pr- being able to provide gifts for kids. I'm like, how could you say no to that? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> On the real estate end of things, I get how it could get like a little dicey sometimes. Like, how did you get my number? How do you know my address? It's like, <laughs> oh. Um, so that's always like fun to try to navigate. And do you have tips on cold calling for someone who's new and starting out and kind of getting their feet wet, wet in the industry in that way? Um, I think it's important to be polite when you're cold calling. Um, you know, it's, it's abrupt and no matter how you look at it, whether you know the person or not, calling someone out of the blue can feel very abrupt and catching people, no one wants to be caught off guard, right? So I always like to start my conversations with, hi, like say, if you know their name, usually you do, but like say their name, confirm it's them, and then just ask them if they have time to chat. And I think that's kind of the first step to opening that door to uh, a conversation where everyone feels comfortable. And, you know, if they don't have time to chat, then confirm a time when they do have time to chat, right? Because whether they have time now, they'll have time at some point to chat with you. And I think it's just getting that buy-in from them initially is the first step. Um, Secondly, like, and if they don't want to chat and if they never want you to call again, like, like the key thing is just don't take it personally, right? Like there's other people out there that you can help. And at the end of the day, we're just trying to help people with their real estate needs, right? Like we're providing advice, we're providing services. And if they don't want our help, then they don't want our help. <laughs> we can, right. There's plenty of people in New York City that we can help with those things. Yeah, just kind of keep rolling with the punches. And I love that you said like, you know, just being polite because that alone goes a very long way of just picking up the phone and saying like, hey, how are you? And kind of going from there. Going back to 2013 and you move into New York, tell us a little bit about your move to New York and why getting it, like why you wanted to get into real estate in particular. Uh, so I worked in the TV station, as I mentioned. I had a friend slash intern who worked with me there, and it was really her idea to kind of uproot our lives from Tennessee and move somewhere else. And uh, just like through casual conversations, you know, we had chatted about it. We chatted about going to LA. Like, you know, we want to go to a big city. We don't want to be in Knoxville, Tennessee, right? And uh, so I just started looking for jobs on Craigslist, which was, you know, where we found jobs back in 2013, mostly. (laughs) And, um, you know, advertising sales isn't really something that I could break into in New York City because I didn't know anybody, right? Like, I don't have anyone at CBS. I don't have anyone at ABC, like, at those big affiliates, which is what I was used to doing. Uh, But I'd always wanted to be in real estate, like, from an early age. Like, when I graduated high school, like, my goal was to be a real estate agent. Like, I liked all the aspects that come along with being a real estate agent. And, um, you know, my girl was like, no, like, you're going to go to college. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, back then, like, my mind wasn't like, oh, well, I'll go to college for real estate because I didn't think that was 
an option. Yeah. Yeah. So I went for journalism, which led me into advertising sales. And then once I decided to move to New York, I was like, well, that's the perfect opportunity for me to get into real estate, you know, like to follow my passions, like it's the best, biggest, most diverse and dynamic real estate market in the country, you know, mm -hmm. possibly in the world. And it's like, why not do what I love to do there where I'm constantly challenged and uh, have all these endless opportunities, which it seemed like at the time there were endless opportunities in real estate because all of the real estate firms on Craigslist are posting, you know, and it's basically like, if you're willing to work seven days a week and you're willing to work hard, like we will hire you. And at 23 years old, that was my mentality. I was like, easy enough. I'll be there. And, you know, had no idea what I was getting into at the beginning, but uh, eventually kind of grasped onto it. And uh, I'm still here doing today. Tell us a little bit about like your real estate experience when you were first starting off in 2013. Cause the way that I, I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, whoa, like advertising sales, like that sounds so cool. And maybe it's like the mindset of watching Mad Men, and yeah. <laughs> which I love. Um, so kind of going from that into real estate for the first time and experiencing it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about like what that was like for you. So I, when I first got here, I did the real estate course, like day to day, that was my day to day for an entire month to get my license. And, you know, I, when you're doing that, like different firms will come in and they'll talk to you and they'll basically try to recruit you from the classes. And being from Tennessee and being like very like family oriented, I ultimately chose to go with a smaller firm where I felt like I would kind of have more one on one attention and more guidance into what I needed to do and what needed to be done. And so I chose a small firm in Chelsea and absolutely no guidance at all like they they sent us to a training at broker heaven which which was good the training was good but that was like the end of the guidance you know for for what they were giving us there was no real teaching or no real help outside outside of that like no real world help right like they sent us to a classroom to like read papers and read read mm -hmm. about what to do but it didn't give me the experience that I think I would have gotten if I had joined a team early on, would been under someone and, you know, like my career would have been a totally different path. So it was very hard the first year. And the first year I only made like $13,000. <laughs> and I, I look back on that year still today and I'm just like, how did I survive an entire year with like 13, like a thousand dollars a month. In like New York rent, City. In New York City. Um, and I don't, it happened. And at the end of that first year, I was very close to moving back to Tennessee. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. Like the real estate industry here is really slimy and shady. And it's like, I'm not going to try to sell someone something they don't want. And that's originally, I, I didn't like it at all. Like, you know, because in my mind, real estate was more of a customer service venture, right? Like I'm here to help people find places to live. I'm not here to like get you to sign a lease on this crappy apartment that I'm trying to sell you um so after that first year I didn't go back to Tennessee I got a job in property management and so I worked in like these luxury buildings with doorman and on-site staff and started as a leasing agent and kind of worked my way up that corporate ladder for three and a half years 
And then you know, I got to that point where it's like, all right, well, you're at a point in your career where it's like, you're either in this or you're not in this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I was managing two properties in Brooklyn. I kind of was like running the staff and, you know, managing the whole show. And I was like, this is, this is like fine, but this isn't like what I want to do. Like, this isn't, I'm not excited about this when I come into the office every day. And at that point, I decided I was going to come back to residential side of real estate. But I was, you know, did a lot of research. I was, you know, very, very in tune with like what my steps were going to be and how I was going to get to where I wanted to be and not just leave my job and just like I did when I was 23 and try to figure it out. Um, And I worked for a small firm called Lofty for two years. Had a really great experience there. Very customer service focused, similar to Triple Mint and how they approach the client aspects of real estate. And it you know, didn't have the salesy tactics. It wasn't trying to, again, sell people stuff they didn't need. And I really liked that aspect of it. And it kind of brought me back into it full circle from where I, where I wanted to be from where I started. Yeah. I mean, I love that, like so many aspects of that story. And one of the things it's like, when it didn't work out at first and knowing that, wow, I'm living on a $13,000 budget in New York City, like, let's just pack up and kind of go back. But falling back into sales, which you were already doing from before, and then coming back full circle and just kind of not giving up on the dream almost of knowing from a young age, like real estate, that's what I want to do. And kind of not stopping. Um, what do you think was like the biggest motivation for you to keep going? Uh, money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to survive out here and live a lifestyle. And I mean, obviously, you know, we all need money to live, but all jokes aside, I think that my biggest motivation, like my biggest reason for being so persistent was just having my family support uh, and not financially in any way because they're not they don't have the means to support me financially but I think that just having the support from them from a very young age just always telling me that I could do whatever I wanted to do anything like anything you put your mind to Corey you can do anything you put your mind to and anytime I would say that I can't do something my dad would look at me and say can't never could (laughs) And so I really think about that, honestly, on like a day-to-day basis. Anytime I feel like there's something I can't do or like, you know, and really at the end of the day, it's probably something I don't want to do, but I'm saying I can't do it. I think of that thing and I'm like, no, like I can do this. Yeah. What I want to do and like, I'm going to do this. And that's kind of like my driving force behind everything that I've been through. I love that. Can't never could. Yeah gonna probably use that from now on (laughs) (laughs) please share it and so you went from working at lofty to how did you discover triple mint uh great question uh so triple mint was like i said they're because they're both very customer service focused firms i think that there was a lot of overlap in the clients that we would get and the clients that triple mint would get uh, just from a marketing perspective, I think we kind of targeted the same general audience um, and just like heard about it through from clients, heard about it from other people in the industry, 
know, there were people that I brought to Lofty that then left for Triple Mint. And that kind of gave me like an inside look of what to expect. And, you know, just put myself out there. I met with agents at Triple Mint to kind of get their advice on like what it was really like. Because I knew it was going to be different, right? Like it's very, they're very different business models at the end of the day, regardless of their customer service focus. But uh, I did a lot of research into what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go because I wanted a firm that I could grow with. And I felt like Tripleman had the tools to help me do that. And I just wanted to confirm those thoughts before actually making the move because I was not unhappy at Lofty. I just knew that I would be better off with more resources. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I feel like if I was one of the agents that you were talking to from Triplement, even though I think I, I think you started right after like my first class, which was like we started in January, like the first week of January, and you came in like the month after that, I feel. Yeah, I was the February class. Yeah, and I'm like, if I was telling Corey about Triplement, I would say only good things because like literally I only have good things to say about this company. And in terms of like feeling like I finally found my home in working at Triplement, it's it's honestly for me, I feel the happiest now being there. And I also, um, you know, had a different job for the last eight years. And that's right. Yeah, I mean... It's crazy because you said um, before kind of quitting your sales job and not having an idea of what you want to do when you were like when you were 23. That's kind of what I did. I was just like, I'm just going to leave my job and figure it out. And I had no idea. I'm like, what am I doing? But I had already had my real estate license. So I knew that was there. And I'm like, instead of doing nothing for the next three months or trying to figure it out. Let me just get back into real estate. And I knew once I was back in real estate that I had to go all in, like you're either all in or. Totally true. Yeah. Totally true. Yeah. And I, and I hate to say it. I'm like, is it something like, how do you, what do you think about this? Do you think real estate is something that you can do part-time? I mean, if you have, you know, the ability to do it part-time and you're only doing it for like, you know, extra play cash, sure. Mm-hmm. But it's not something where, you know, you can, it's a business, right? You're building a business. It's, it's really what real estate is. And that's kind of like one of the great things about it and the challenging things about it as well. But like you are essentially your own business when you're a real estate agent. And so it depends on how, much you care about your own business, right? Like if you, if you don't care about it and you just kind of like want to just throw your title around like, Oh, I'm a real estate salesperson. Like I can help you sell your home. I've never sold a home before, but I, I, I can take some photos and hire someone to do all this stuff. Like, sure. Like you can totally do that. If you have your license and your license, like sure. But I think like a lot of people think that and it's easy and it's cool. And it's like, Oh, well, I've got rich friends. And then, they sell one of their houses, like I'm good for the year. And like, yes, you can do that. But that's not, that's not an agent that I'm going to be seeking out. Or if I, you know, needed someone to represent me and help me with my real estate needs. Mm -hmm. But everyone has, you know, their own thing. Yeah, no, I really like love everything that you just said. Um, Again, like just making it your career. And 
like you said, essentially your own business. So how are you willing to take, like how much are you willing to take care of your business and really bring value to your clients and to yourself at the end of the day? Exactly. That's, that's one of the things I, I, I'm grateful for every day is that I'm, I'm never going to be bored in this job, right? Like it doesn't matter if I've been doing this for seven years or seven months, like I'm still learning something new every day. And that's kind of like exciting and like what gets me out of bed and puts me on my laptop. <laughs> okay, yeah, absolutely. And that's a great segue. Speaking of learning something new every day during this quarantine, we had to learn to just adjust and adapt and keep our business running. And you've been closing deals like crazy. <laughs> so I want to know your secret sauce. How have you been doing it? And if you could walk, um, you know, agents that are listening and are curious about virtual showings and how to get a transaction completed, like start to finish, like what were you doing? Uh, all right. Well, I appreciate the kind words, uh, first off. Um, it's, I think that it's really, and this is real estate, whether it's virtual or whether it's in real life, it's all about setting your client's expectations and, and then either meeting them or, or exceeding them, right? It's, and it's, it's very most basic level. I think that's what it's about. And so from the initial calls when, you know, just like all of us, we were still getting calls. People need to move. Just because quarantine is happening doesn't mean everyone's life is stopping. And um, I just, you know, let them know very early on, like, you know, are you comfortable making a decision on a virtual tour? Because we are not allowed to show places in person. It jeopardizes our, our real estate license and we could potentially be hit with a fine of $10,000. So I need to know that you're comfortable making a decision based on the video tour before we go to the next step. And again, just like the phone call with the cold calls, you want to get that first buy-in from the client because if you don't have that first buy-in, then they're not going to feel comfortable and then you're not on the same page. And you just have to start off on that right foot, having everyone on the same page. And I think that's really like how I do it. The secret sauce is just creating those expectations and making sure you're clear, you're concise, you're communicating. This is how it's going to work. This is what we're going to do, you know, and just making sure that you're following through with everything that you say you're going to do at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with you on that. And that was like my model also going into it was just being very crystal clear. Are you okay with sight unseen? And then they were like, <laughs> what does that mean? And I'm like, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but no, I think, I think you killed it for the last like two how many months have we been in quarantine? I'm uh, what almost three, three now, months. right? March, April, May, June. March to April, April to May, May to June. Yeah, three months. Yeah, yeah. And uh, are you excited that June twenty second? Oh, and I always said, don't date myself on the podcast. But are you excited mm -hmm. about? getting back out into the real estate world or have you become like comfortable doing virtual showings? Do you have a preference now? Um, I definitely miss being out and about and seeing places in real life myself and talking to people in real life. Uh, you know, that's again, part of 
what I like about this job is its customer service aspect of it and meeting new people and, you know, just being able to learn from new people. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. Like I can think you don't have to enjoy that aspect of it to be successful, but uh, that is part of it that I, that I like about it, which is why, you know, that whole property management portion of it just wasn't for me. Like I was in an mm-hmm. office by myself most of the day and I was, drove me crazy. So um, I, I do miss being out there with people, but I do also appreciate how the industry has come together to make virtual tours intuitive and, you know, just very, I think it's going to help the industry overall. Right. So instead of, instead of us going out and seeing seven places in person and spending two hours doing that in 90 degree sun, maybe we see seven places on our virtual tour in advance and then go out and see your top two or three options in real life and save, your, save you some time. Um, that would be my hope. But I also know that the real estate market here moves so fast that videos may just vanish as soon as we're able to show in person again. Absolutely. So um, I'm excited to kind of see how quickly it bounces back to you know apartments going within two hours. Because that's usually what we see in the summer months in the, in the market here. Absolutely. I, to be honest, like, I feel like I've already started seeing it where, especially when it's those like really, really great deals that you mm-hmm. have your Astoria apartment for $2,000, but you also have a balcony, which is like, wait, what? <laughs> something like that. The minute it goes on, it's like 15 minutes later, it's gone. Um, maybe not 15 minutes later, but you know, it does move very, very quickly. Um, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I guess I have to be, right? Yeah, you, you do have to be. <laughs> and again, I'm going to do this off the cuff this time, which is going to be interesting. So I'm going to start. All right, give since, me some good ones. Since I just learned that you're from Knoxville, Tennessee, tell us your favorite part of growing up in Tennessee. Uh, my favorite part of growing up in Tennessee was definitely just playing outside and uh, my family had like 89 acres and the rural part of Knoxville and so I just appreciate having the time when I was a kid to have nature all around me and just play in the dirt and the mud and just be outside and just be a kid like that was the absolute best part of it for me. Absolutely. I think growing up in New York we don't have, I grew up in Ozone Park, Queens, and the, the sidewalks are paved, so it's concrete, <laughs> and so it's not much rolling around in any dirt. You're definitely getting, like, bruises and cuts if you fall, um, so that sounds exciting. Did you go back during the quarantine at all to see your family? Uh, I went back for a couple of weeks to uh, chill with them and spend some time. Did you yeah. miss it? Uh, for sure. It was really nice. I mean, that two weeks I was there during quarantine was the longest time I've spent with my family since I moved here mm-hmm. you know, almost seven years ago. So uh, it was really nice to just be there and chill and like, you know, I have no agenda because nothing was open. It was just like me, my family, my boyfriend just hanging out on the farm and really uh, enjoying that Tennessee lifestyle. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, which leads my, to my second question, city views or country views? 
Uh, everybody wants both, right? You want a house in the country, at least I do. And then I definitely want my beautiful penthouse in the city for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I had to choose, if I was going to look outside at a building or a mountain, I would choose a mountain. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Get yeah, out I've of New York, Corey. All righty. A morning cup of coffee or a morning mm. cup of tea? Coffee. Cold brew for sure. And we have cold brew at the Triple Mint office. We do. That was part of the reason I joined. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it's great. Yeah. yeah. I actually, so I've never had a cup of coffee. Like I tasted yeah. it, but yeah. um, I've never had a full cup of coffee. And I feel like I'm getting to that age where by nine o'clock, I'm like, oh, I feel tired. I need like a little kicker. Um, so I think I may begin to the point where- Tea kind of does that though, doesn't it? Like the caffeine and tea doesn't do it for you? So I drink camel milk tea. So it's uh, caffeine free. <laughs> and it's technically meant for you to- um, well, it says that it's like meant to have like a better night's sleep, but mm -hmm. I will drink chamomile tea. Like I had a cup this morning. So I think that's like, someone <laughs> Maybe said- Maybe that's why you're tired at 9 a.m. <laughs> someone also said, they're like, that's why you're so calm all the time and nothing really bothers you. I'm like, maybe it's the chamomile tea. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Ooh, a New York slice of pizza or a ribeye steak? Uh, so I'm gonna go with neither because I've been vegan for five years. Ooh, tell yeah. us a little bit about that and how you got into it or why you became be vegan. Uh, so there was like a series of events that led to it. It wasn't like one day I decided. Um, Cause growing up in Tennessee on a farm, like. Obviously, I ate a lot of meat and cheese and potatoes, uh, but living in New York and just kind of exposing myself to alternatives to protein and alternatives to fueling my body, um, you know, I had a lot of vegan friends. I dated a vegan, so I learned a lot about alternative ways to do that. And, you know, when drones became a thing and drones were flying over pig farms and things of that nature that just seemed very unnatural and frankly disgusting mm -hmm. uh it kind of just made me think about it a little more than i had before right because i didn't think of animals as, as smushed in a factory when i was eating them on my farm mm -hmm. it was a very different view into what eating meat was for the masses in america and um and yeah like i said i'm very much a nature guy i also don't appreciate the environmental impact that factory farms have on the world and so I think that combined with kind of everything visually pushed me to put myself on a 30 day vegan challenge. And then the 30 day vegan challenge turned into, it's not so bad, we can keep doing this. Now being vegan is trendy. So there's like literally every restaurant has at least one, sometimes more vegan options. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's been pretty, pretty easy for the past couple of years. Just I'm just it. shocked. That's <laughs> awesome. Now, just like, what's your favorite vegan dish that 
someone like that someone who isn't vegan will love uh nice well the thing is there's so much junk vegan food now that you can literally get anything you want made vegan and i my favorite food is still definitely macaroni and cheese it's just vegan cheese mm -hmm. um but i would say a meal that i think is very good if you're if you like like pastas uh and this is one of the first meals i had a non-vegan make for me so that's how i believe that other non-vegans will like it it's a lentil bolognese Mm -hmm. So it's like a vegan take on your, you know, bolognese, regular bolognese, but using lentils instead of the beef. Interesting. I love that. Have you heard of um, Gardein's? Yeah. The so, freezer brand? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're obsessed. Well, I know at least I am with their meatless balls. It's so mm. good. So. Oh, yeah. Between having that, um, we'll do like meatless Mondays just to, you know, Cute. be good. Yeah. It up. <laughs> and it'll be um, the meatless balls with pesto pasta. And I'm like, okay, maybe we can do it also. Um, so baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, for exactly. Us. It, and it, it's all, it was baby steps for me too. Um, dairy was kind of the first thing I cut out because of like lactose. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't agree. And then eventually it was kind of, it was the meat cutting out the meat. But um, I love those meatballs. I, <laughs> you're probably healthier than me. I eat them on like a toasted hot dog bun, kind of like a sub, like a meatball sub. Yum. A little, a little uh, marinara sauce on top. So good. We have to try that. We still <laughs> haven't tried it in the marinara sauce. We just kind of like um, heat them up regular and have it that way. But super exciting. So cool to know. There is one question that I love to end with, but before I do that, if you could pick one area in New York City that best describes your personality, what would it be? <laughs> um, I would say it's the East Village for sure. Another uh, East Village. I'm going to tell yeah. you right now. Spencer said that. Bridget also said that. So right now I have two for two. Three for three. Wait, hold on. I think Lu Luis was also on the podcast, but yes. did he say East Village? I can't remember. It might be three for three or like, four for four. I feel like the East, like you can't not relate to the East Village almost, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's so much fun. It's very funky. It kind of has like this vibe that like anyone can get into it. It, it appeals to a lot of different people. Uh, amazing restaurants. You know, it's, it just kind of has like everything kind of going on. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I like about it. My very last question for you is when you're feeling down or lazy, what is the one thing that motivates you the most? And you kind Green of said coffee. it before. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's, um, it's coffee or I was going to say the saying that your dad says. Yeah, no, that doesn't, that doesn't motivate me. It just pushes me through when I feel defeated. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would say, well, during quarantine, it's been, it's been more difficult to find those motivators, right? Because normally my motivator is getting out of the house and like engaging with people and having those one-on-one -on -one or one-on however many people kind of interactions. And uh, that was, that was kind of like the motivator for me 
in general, just getting out there and seeing places and seeing people and, and just going through the motions of that. But uh, definitely I would, I still stick to coffee. Like when I'm not feeling like doing anything, I'll drink a coffee and I will do all the things in like two hours. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but like, so when did you start drinking coffee? I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, I did not, I hated coffee growing up. It was not something that was introduced to me at a young age. I started drinking coffee when I started working in property management. Mm -hmm. So I it, think it was like a combination of the stress of the job and real estate and just like constantly having to be on, you know, because as a leasing agent, I could have had uh, 15 to 20 tours a day, right? Like 30 minutes to 45 minutes each person back to back to back on a Saturday or a Sunday like you need a coffee for that mm -hmm. you know there's like a level of like enthusiasm that you must maintain for that five-hour shift and it's like oh my god <laughs> um so yeah I'd say that's when I started with the with coffee I started out with like a chai latte you know and like worked my worked my way up to like cold brew black wow yeah I do have to say I love love the smell of coffee and I think that's probably what keeps me up because my boyfriend has like a cup every day. Um, but damn, I need, I need that energy. <laughs> I need You're good. You're good. You don't need it. You don't need it. Right now I'm just sticking to Red Bull. Red Bull Ooh. and my camel multi. Very opposite things, but opposite. it works. Corey, thank you so much for being part of Tea Time with Tea. This was super fun. And I'm Thank happy you. I got to know you a little better now. That's cool. Yeah. And well, I can't I wait. look forward to more time together with you once we're out on the streets. Yes. Showing places again. Yes. Once we're back in the office, it'll be amazing. Um, but again, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much.